Welcome to Setting Captives Free podcast. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But many people wonder, how can I be free from things I've struggled with all my life? Anger, impurity, anxiety, depression, fear, gluttony, and so on. Well, today, Eric Hurt and Mike Cleveland study a passage of Scripture that will help you enjoy the freedom that Jesus died to give you. Okay, hello everyone. This is Mike Cleveland, and I am with a dear brother of mine today, whom you don't know, but I get to introduce. And this person has written a book, a wonderful, exciting, God-glorifying book, uh, and he's written it anonymously. Uh, and he will share the reason for that. Uh, we greatly rejoice in this book. I've read it from start to end. In fact, I read it start to end in one sitting. I couldn't put it down. Uh, but my friend today has written this anonymously. We have agreed beforehand that I would just assign him the name Bob. So uh, we get to come together and uh, I will say, hello, Bob, how are you today? And thank you for taking time to come be with me. Mike, it's so great to be with you. And uh, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. And uh, thanks for your ministry. I know it's meant a lot to me and to many, many people over the years. And uh, I just love to see the way that the Lord's blessing you and, uh, and taking care of uh, helping people to be set free. So thanks for that. Well, thank you, brother. It's you and I have been together for a long time, and uh, we are just rejoicing in the Lord together. Uh, and I appreciate so much this book that you've written. Um, and as I said, I read it in one sitting, um, and then I emailed you shortly thereafter, didn't I? Yeah, you sure did. And then you contributed some great thoughts. In fact, uh, one of the chapters, uh, chapter 66, came right from your recommendations, and I, uh, I greatly appreciate that contribution to it. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, today, we've decided beforehand to sort of frame our discussion around the Word of God, 2 Corinthians 3, 18 through chapter 4, I think, verse 6. So let's just look at that together, Bob, and we'll discuss it as we uh, okay. As we go along, and so um, if you if you want to start there, you want to read verse eighteen. Sure. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but. We've renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Um, to just look at this together, um, we look at 2 Corinthians 3, and there's a contrast being discussed. It's this contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant, between Moses and Jesus Christ, between a veiled face and heart and a completely unveiled um, face that comes from turning to the Lord. If we looked in uh, the verse before, it says, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And, and we, we come to verse 18, which is where we started. And Bob, if you look at that, it shows a way to be transformed. Sure now, does. This is important, isn't it? Because we, we look at the world and they've got self-help books and they've got, you know, 12 steps and they've got all these ways for you to transform yourself. Or if you're religious at all, it's transform yourself through God. Um, but this is a different way, isn't it? What way does it show here that we are actually transformed? Well, we're transformed by beholding the glory of the Lord. And the reason, one big reason we needed to connect the context of the next six verses is that to know who the Bible means by the Lord here, we need that context, but it's the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ specifically that's the meaning of the word Lord there. And so as we behold him, we become like him. We, we behold his glory specifically and, and become transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, which means it's a process. It's not a, it's not a one-time thing. It's not like we're just go from darkness to purity of perfect light, you know, um, in one moment. But this process, we also can refer to it theologically as sanctification or progressive sanctification. This process of, of sanctification comes through the Spirit, applying, opening our eyes to this one who um, is our glorious Savior and uh, the one for whom we, we continually look at the cross and we look at what he's done there. I, in my book, I call it the, uh, the apex of glory is the cross. But what this refers to is his glory, the glory of the person of Christ. And that person, that person's glory encompasses a, a wide spectrum. Um, John Owen called it the panoramic vistas of his glory, which starts before the foundation of the world and through creation, by which all things were made by him, for him, and through him. And then the, um, the Old Testament period where we see his glory appearing. The New Testament even speaks to those occurrences. Then, of course, his glorious incarnation, right? Where even the, the day of his birth, you know, the, the myriads of angels singing glory to God in the highest. And uh, he was ushered into this world. He took on flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And, um, and then on through his, um, even his infancy and his toddlerhood, we see um, his glory shown through the word of God and uh, revealed. And then, of course, his baptism, which uh, the spirit came down. It was a glorious Trinitarian moment. And um, the father's voice said, this is my beloved son. And on into the wilderness where he was tempted um, way more than we ever will be, unimaginably tempted in the wilderness. And he overcame, he gloriously overcame that temptation. And then on into his three years of ministry where his miracles, his words, um, 
the you know things that that happened uh, revealed in the Word of God uh, show glory. The, the transfiguration, His glory just pokes on through, and, uh, and and is revealed in front of witnesses that later wrote about it. Um, and then Mike, of course, you know the the last week of his life, um, just where it seemed like it was anti-glory, where it seemed like it was the opposite of glory, it was um, actually the, the apex of glory, where he did for us what no one else could do, bearing the burden of our sin and um, taking it on his shoulders and in return, covering us with his own righteousness, which was lived out in the flesh. And then how about his glorious resurrection, his his glorious ascension, which I think should be celebrated as equally as Christmas or any of these other holidays, his ascension, where he is now seated in the most glorious position in the universe at the right hand of the majesty on high, where he still reigns even now um, and, um, and is um, sovereign, is, has dominion over his kingdom here. And then his glorious return. You can see I'm going in the timeline here, right? So it's glorious return and uh, then his eternal reign. So in our in the book regarding Jesus, the book we're talking about, um, I call that his timeless timeline. And it's a timeline of glory. And um, John Owen, who whose book, The Glory of Christ, by the way, inspired my book, or at least got me started. Um, he said that... Um, Meditate on the glory of Christ continuously. And he said, by that, we'll be released from the clutches of sin and also we'll be prepared to face our own death where we um, pass into his presence. And um, I, I took a lot of stock in that sentence. You know, I used to say, and I know that you and I have said, preach the gospel to yourself every day. And of course, the, the core of the gospel is his death and resurrection and his appearance. Um, but instead of every day, John Owen says, meditate on the glory of Christ continuously. And, uh, and that's in, in doing that, I had a real surprise um, in my own life. Um, just even as I was finishing this book, I began to, because um, there's a big emphasis in the book regarding Jesus about his present day presence. And um, as I began to meditate on his presence with me and in me, um, and I belabor the point in the book in that section on when Jesus said, lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. He meant him. He, he didn't mean the Holy Spirit. He meant himself. And when he said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, even as you and I, Mike, we're gathered together over this Zoom meeting uh, podcast, um, there am I in the midst of them. And then in the in his indwelling, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so in his indwelling presence, which is him personally, um, I began to uh, be drawn back to this verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18, because I realized that in writing this book, um, I think about 4,000 hours over a five-year period of time, I was focusing on him, on the person of Jesus and his glory, um, and putting this book together. By the way, um, there's 74 chapters, but they're only each chapter is only two pages long, and each chapter uh, covers one facet along this timeless timeline. But when it all came together at the very end, I began to realize that I had been meditating on his glory, 
and I began to see areas of sin, you know, that other people really couldn't see there because they really, in my case, they don't come out in my actions or my words very much. But in my thoughts, you know, I, I really struggled with them. I know you and I, Mike, we talked about it uh, towards the end of the year and earlier this year. And um, I began to see where the Lord was, was um, his, the light of his glory was shining into these little dark crevices and recesses and just blowing them away. And um, I began to recognize that this was a way that he was um, working on me to bring about just what it says, being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And I got a long way to go, brother. I mean, I, I know. Um, and then, you know, there's always pride, you know, which is, is not the reason why I wrote this book anonymously. That might come to people's mind, but I have another reason we could get into if you want to talk about that. But I am aware of pride. And that from John Stott's book um, on the cross, you know, when you take yourself and you put yourself um, underneath the cross, um, pride just has no place to hide. It goes away because you can't have any pride in the light of that cross. Right. So uh, anyway, I've been rambling, I guess I'm supposed to be waiting for you to ask me some questions, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm excited about this. I'm passionate about it. I want to share it with people. I want people to know the real Jesus. And there's only one real Jesus. And that's the Jesus who's revealed in the scriptures. And so, um, as you know, Mike, the, the book regarding Jesus has over 1,000 citations to scripture, and there's only 177 pages. So it's, it's, uh, it's there where we see the, the Son of God. It's there where he's revealed. It's there where the Spirit illuminates the scripture to show us him. And, uh, and as we see him little by little, it can have a very powerful uh, impact um, no matter where you are, if you're a new believer, or if you're stuck in pornography, you're stuck in addictions, um, this is a powerful way. Meditate on the glory of Christ continuously. Find out what the scriptures say about him. You know, um, give yourself to him as far as seeking him. And, and you'll find him when you seek him, seek for him with all your heart. And he's a person, you know, he's, he's a person who knows what it's like to be in our skin. You know, he, he walked in our flesh. Now he never gave up his divine nature. So he was always God from before creation. Even when he was a in the womb of his virgin mother, he still has a divine nature, but he added human nature and was tempted as we are yet without sin, but he knows what it's like to sweat. He knows what it's like to bleed. He knows what it's like to thirst and uh, he knows what it's like to weep. And uh, one of my favorite chapters in, the, in this book uh, regarding Jesus is um, the chapter called Gentle and Lowly. And, um, you know, when, when he goes to describe his own heart, those are the two words he uses. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And uh, he says, come to me. So uh, that's another aspect of his glory. I mean, how glorious is it when someone, by the way, I should define the word glory. The glor word glory just means the weight of significance and worth. So someone with such infinite weight of significance and worth to actually be gentle and lowly and describe himself that way. And, um, and we see it in his actions. We see it um, with his attitude towards children, towards women towards sinners, towards those who even um, betrayed him. Um, uh, 
denied him, I mean, denied him like Peter did. Um, those who had little faith, um, you know, he didn't reject them. He was gentle with them. And he's been gentle with me, Mike. He's been gentle with you, brother. I know he has. And uh, sometimes he's, he's, a, he's stern. He's a disciplinarian too. So he has that aspect of his uh, nature as well. But at any rate, all I'm trying to say is uh, what a person he is, you know, and I can never get enough of him. And, and you can never exhaust it. You could read this book a hundred times. You could read all the books that I read to try to be able to write this book at a ninth grade reading level. So people could understand it without being scholars and, and uh, theologians, um, professional theologians. But um, he's a, he is so compelling, Mike. Um, and, you know, throughout all eternity, we'll never, we'll never get enough of him. You know, we'll be saying worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain to, to have us recognize his glory. And, uh, and for all of eternity, trust me, we'll never be tired or bored of, of being in his presence and, and seeing his face, seeing him face to face. Um, gosh, I shouldn't be talking so much. I'm sorry. I, uh, no, no, I you carried know. away. <laughs> I no, can go on. <laughs> carried away because that's what it does when we contemplate his glory um but bob as you look at this um passage about uh contemplating the lord's glory or like the name of your book regarding jesus there's this key i think in this passage to why some people do not see glory in jesus you know and if you look down in verse three of chapter four it says even if our gospel is veiled it's veiled to their, those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel. And so it's this, like you called it, the apex of glory. It's interesting that the first miracle Jesus did um, was a revealing of his glory. And yet he said, my time has not yet come until we come to as he's facing the cross there in John chapter 12. And he says, now my hour has come. He's going to re reveal his glory because it's one thing to turn water into wine. It's another thing to turn sinners into righteous people. Yeah. Another thing to completely take the wrath of God on our behalf that we might live in freedom. Um, and here you see, Bob, this, as you contemplate the Lord's glory, you see it best at the cross where it looks like all shame, doesn't it? It looks like all sin and shame and death and blood. And really what's happening is the son of God is displaying his glory to save and to sanctify, to set apart, to free sinners. Uh, and I love how you say that because Jesus was taken to a pinnacle, to an apex of the temple. And there he was tempted horribly. But then, as you say, he came to another pinnacle, to another apex, which is the cross. And there he displayed his glory for the world to see. And Bob, one thing I love about your book is that it calls us to do what verse 18 is telling us to do. So it helps us to do what this tells us, which is to contemplate or ruminate or look at or fix your eyes on mm -hmm. the Lord's glory. Um, and so, Bob, I think about how this is going to help people, and I'm talking about your book, Regarding Jesus, um, is going to help people because it's transforming. 
you know, you can't look at a, a pink elephant, Bob. You can't look at that pink elephant and and say, I'm not going to look at that anymore. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going <laughs> to. That doesn't work, does it? No. But no. To be overwhelmed in the glory of God, like you said, you don't even know it. It's transformation by osmosis almost. Yeah. Uh, and, and what what happens is, like it says in First John, that we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And that's what you're saying in this book. So let me ask you this question about the book. First of all, tell us why you wrote it. Well, I have a real passion for Roman Catholics. I, I, my family background is mostly Roman Catholic. And um, Roman Catholics will say they believe in the Bible and they believe in Jesus. And yet they many of them, not all of them, but many of them have never opened the Bible to see who Jesus really is. And um, sometimes I've found that um, as, they, as they get guidance to open the Bible for themselves and to see the gospel there, to see the cross, to see the, the word of God, then the spirit illuminates the word of God and things really, really change. But I have uh, other books that have been published, three different publishers. They're, they're books that identify me as an evangelical Christian, and uh, even beyond that as a Reformed evangelical Christian. And so my name would connect me uh, to the type of theology that Catholics would reject. In other words, Catholic leaders would reject. Now, we've had Catholic leaders, um, theologians, uh, that are within the Catholic Church look at this book because by me being anonymous, that doesn't give them a reason to, to not um, embrace the book. But then also, I, the Lord gave me a little strategy for keeping people focused on Jesus and the Word of God and not getting off into the weeds of the differences between, say, Roman Catholic and, and, and Protestant and Orthodox and Pentecostal and and everything else. And that is when the, the uh, distinctives came up, which are primarily baptism and the Lord's Supper. And all I did was I said, it's beyond the scope and purpose of this book to delve into these distinctions between these denominations. So that way, um, we've had Catholics read this book and come to Christ already. We've, we've seen it happening. Um, we've um, seen it with Protestants. We've seen it with one really old person was 92 years old uh, that the Lord's used this um, to glorify himself and open people's eyes to the person of Christ. But um, if I hadn't um, taken that approach, I, I, I wouldn't um, have had the, uh, the access to this audience that includes Roman Catholics and the, these others that are not um, evangelical reformed Christians. And so there's other books, Mike, there's other books that, that they want to know about baptism and, how that works in their faith or how um, the Lord's Supper works or also the end times was another time I used this strategy of just saying it's beyond the scope and purpose of this book to delve into these areas of distinction between these denominations. And I just stepped aside and uh, you know, let them find some other book. This is a book about Jesus. This is a book about Jesus revealed in the Bible that everybody on the face of this earth needs that. Now yeah. you're right. It's up to the, it's up to the Holy Spirit. They, they, every single person is born blind, right? That they're, in their case, the God of this world, Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing this. But the Holy Spirit, praise the Lord, can open our eyes and we can, uh, and we can see it. The light of the gospel 
the good news of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ is where we see that glory. And that's what I've got a passion for. That's why, you know, my name, I don't have a passion for my name. I'll tell you what, when I really think about this person that this book is about, and forget the book, but just think about the person as hard as you can for as long as you can, and you start to disappear. You start to forget yourself. And it's a wonderful feeling, you know, it's a, when you're in the presence of glory and, and you're uh, understanding, you know, that this is not a remote presence. This is a presence that's very, very, very close, even infinitely close to, to each of his, per, his um, people. And uh, when we, uh, when we get into that situation, um, you know, we, we don't dwell on ourselves and that's where I think our addictions um, can, um, we, we can be released from them little by little, you know, uh, that, that's what it's the process. Every day I want to regard Jesus, you know, not just, you know, um, in this book, but every day I want to, I want to see him. And I want to, by the way, I think it's good to tell your listeners before you even open the Bible, ask for the spirit to illuminate the word of God so that he can, so you'll see and experience what it is he has for you in that, in whatever passage he's directed you to. Yeah, this is the point. I mean, and so you wrote this to, basically for an evangelistic purpose, which is to win and draw people to the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's why I love it. To me, Bob, when I sat down to read it that day, and I thought what I was going to do was read a chapter, you know, the next day I'd read another chapter, and I, I went all the way through because it was like a magnet mm. to me in the sense of just drawing me in to this person who I was almost seeing anew, and yet it was again, and it, it just, you can't, you get swallowed up, as you said, it's like the tidal wave of God's love and glory all mixed in together um, when you see what Jesus came to do for you, and you're right in the sense of when you're in, in bondage to sin, you are, in a sense, all focused on yourself, your wants, your desires, your cravings. And what we need is something much broader and bigger, something that will fill our imagination, consume our hearts, draw us out of ourselves, explode upon us in a way that completely changes even our thought process, the way that we live our lives. Everything changes because we get something that is way bigger than what we've had. And, it, and it's almost, osmosis is the wrong term because that means that you're uninvolved and unaware. But it, it happens in a way that you become consumed without really knowing it. I think, Bob, second uh, Hebrews chapter uh, 12, verse 2, describes this, right? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Uh, and then it goes on to describe the cross. Um, and as you do that, and you don't look left or right, in other words, you become purposely consumed in him, you lose thought patterns you may have had for years, sinful ideology, sinful habit patterns. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think this is, as I personally, as I read your book that day on the Washington coast, um, I felt consumed in the tsunami of the love of God, and mm. I have a, a place to express it 
And, and with tears in my eyes, I remember writing to you and saying, uh, I am overwhelmed. Uh, as I looked out on the coast, I um, had just read about a tsunami in Japan. And that's the way I felt, although a tsunami is destructive, the tsunami of God's love is life-giving and transformative. Yes. So anyway, what question um, are you wanting to answer? If, if, For example, if somebody were to, to write in with questions, what questions would you want to answer about this book? <laughs> well, one thing before we forget to tell your listeners, don't get the book at Amazon. This is a self-published book. You can get a Kindle copy on Amazon, but the best place to get the book, because we're putting this book out there. It's a hardback book. We're putting it out there as, for as low a price as we can. It's $8.99 for, it's listed as $20 um, on Amazon, but uh, it's regardingjesus.com. So it's the title regarding Jesus, but there's a hyphen in there. So regarding hyphenjesus.com, and then you can get the book for $8.99. Um, but what questions would I... Um, Want them to ask me. Hmm. Well, um, I think I answered the question, why did I write this book? I hope I answered it. I couldn't help but write it. <laughs> um, I don't know, Mike, what questions, what questions do you think they might have? What, what will this book do for me? I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember. And I've done a lot of studying and I've read a lot of books and I'm pretty. Yeah, good question. So you, I think you'll learn a lot about Jesus from the word of God. Like I said, there's over a thousand citations and many, many are, are just put right in within the text in bold print. Um, so you'll learn about him, but more than just a knowledge about him, I think you'll know him. I think you'll, you'll walk away knowing a person just like Mike, you know me and I know you and we get to know each other more and more each time that we interact. I think, I think the reader will um, come away with knowing him and in knowing him, again, we go right back to our key verse for this podcast, um, 2 Corinthians 3.18, as we behold him as he really is, the real Jesus revealed in the scriptures we will be transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other. That means we leave us behind the image that we're in now, which is a fallen image, one that um, is, you know, uh, doesn't glorify him, you know, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, um, if you're looking for a way to, um, to um, change, to, to, to be transformed, um, seeing him, beholding him. You know, now we, you know, we see him in a mirror dimly, then we'll see him face to face. And by the way, when we see him face to face, Mike, we're going to become like him in the sense we won't have any more sin. When we see him in the flesh, in his glorified human body, we will no longer um, sin. And we'll have a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And that's where we're heading. That's where we're going to be. So um, I think in, in, in a re very real way, at least for me, and even after I even wrote this book, I, I still day after day, even now, as I meditate on him and his glory, you know, I, I've been undergoing this process where these little nooks and crannies sin, I would tolerate Mike. And, you know, with tears, I, you and I talk where I just, I, I, I can't tolerate it anymore. And I think, uh, you know, 
a lot of it comes just from this. It's like he's saying to Bob, look, you don't have to tolerate, you know, I know anonymous Bob, you know, Bob in quotes, but me, uh, don't, you don't have to tolerate this. Um, I, I will empower you, enable you to, um, but, but look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, realize how close I am, realize I'm not far off. Yes, in his human nature, he's at the right hand of the majesty on high and the some third heaven way, way far away. But guess what? He never ceased to be God. He never lost his divine nature. And because of that, um, he's everywhere at the same time. That's the nature, an attribute of God that, that you, you can't give that up in um, some so-called great kenosis. You, you don't, he didn't give up his glory. His glory is all over the place, even when we see him in the, in the, in the four gospels. So, um, yeah, we understand how close he is. We can't escape him. We don't want to escape him. We love him. We love having him be close. And, uh, and then knowing, knowing him as he's revealed in the scriptures, you know, um, he's comforting. You know, he's, he's powerful. He has dominion over Satan in, the, in his kingdom of darkness. He has, he has dominion over death. He has dominion over our death. I've got a friend right now. He's dying of COVID. He probably won't make it through the end of the day. Um, and a uh, wonderful guy, you know, and and a uh, wonderful Christian leader. And, and, and we know that where he's going to be, absent from the body, he'll be present with the Lord and he'll be rejoicing and we can rejoice, rejoice with him. We can be prepared for our own death. So we don't need to fear death. So this person that we look at, um, and I and I know the, the pinnacle is the cross. I mean, for sinners, that's that's the most important thing. But his his glory is revealed. I, I got I can't help it. I hope we have time. I want to just read you one one verse from his high priestly prayer, John seventeen. It's verse twenty four. Listen to the what what the Son of God prays for us, Mike, and all of his people. And we know from earlier in this chapter the context. He's praying for us. He says, Father. I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. So there it is, you know, the son of God, before he goes to the cross, right before he goes to the cross, he prays us. What do you think the father's answer to this prayer is? He's not going to say no. His answer is a resounding yes, son. Yes, this is what you want. He says, father, I desire, this is his desire. His desire is that we be with him and see his glory. And, um, and you know, that's, to me, that's one of the biggest assurances of our salvation right there. That the Son of God asks it, the Father answers it, and we are the ones who benefit from it. We're the ones who are going to be with him where he is to see his glory. We are with him where he is, in a sense now, in his divine nature when he's omnipresent. But what, what he's talking about here is when he appears, we shall be like him because we'll see him just as he is not in a mere dimly, but face to face and not knowing in part, but, but knowing him fully, just as we've been fully known. Mike, I live for that. You know, I mean, I, that can get me through a lot of down times. I think I told you I'm having some health problems, you know, it's, I've been this whole year since the beginning of the year, one thing after another, but it's like, you know, this just powers me over it because it's so encouraging. It's so assuring, reassuring. And it's based not on my word and my effort and my white knuckle puny willpower that always fails. It's based on the son of God and his own will, his own desire. And, um, and, it's, a, and it's something that 
that will prevail. It is prevailing and it will continue to prevail until it comes to pass uh, fully. And uh, so that's why I'm excited. That's why I'm passionate. That's what I hope the readers would get out of this book. Um, you know, it's something that, um, I mean, I really, I, I can't, I, I can say enough about the book, but I can't say enough about the person that the book is about, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you, you contemplate you have coined this term that beholding is becoming um i, which, I didn't i didn't coin that that was john piper by the way beholding well, we is straight out of, of verse 18 of chapter 3 um sure. as we behold the, the lord's glory we become transformed into his image and i think everybody who is a believer in jesus wants to be transformed um and so here's how to do it you know, it's not like the worldly method, like you mentioned, exercise your willpower, you know, or, or use some form of um, self-help or some type of religious steps or of the law or of anything else. Here it is right here in black and white for us to see. Beholding is becoming. Um, contemplating is changing. I, I love this because it is it. In a sense, it removes us. In another sense, we're called to behold, to look. And I think that's one thing your book helps us to do. It is it, you know, Psalm 119, 104 says, the unfolding of your words bring light. It doesn't just say your word brings light. Now it does for sure, but it's the unfolding, the the expounding, the explaining, the setting forth plainly, as it says here in chapter four. And so I love your book. I hope that people who are listening will right now go to regarding-jesus.com and pick up a book for yourself. If you have a friend that you think might benefit or, or, or somebody that you know at work or somebody that you uh, just know in passing, you know, this is the kind of thing that you can just hand this out to somebody and say, hey, I like this. I, I would love for you to read it too. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, Bob, we need to go for now. I hope you'll consider coming back on again. I love, to. I, I, I love talking to you all the time, Mike. Every time we talk, I get excited because uh, you and I focus, we focus right in on him and, and especially the cross. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, any, anytime, Mike, anytime. <laughs> and I'm, and I still, I, I remember my promise to write you the... Uh, your newsletter um, coming up here too. Yeah, so. we've got a newsletter coming up where you're going to do the teaching, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, so those those are are very helpful to people, um, Bob. And I appreciate the you know I know God has inspired you. He's called you to do this, but I am for one am grateful and thankful that you wrote this book. <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful and thankful for you, Mike. You know, yeah pivotal role in my life way back when and uh yeah i'll never forget uh those days so um and it's great to know that we're shoulder to shoulder for the gospel for the cross for this glorious person and yeah. uh, and uh, you know we'll have all of eternity to rejoice in him so we'll, we'll struggle through till we get there right <laughs> oh by the way one more thing you know regarding jesus meaning the the beholding of jesus is not a bummer. You know, you could say, well, this is a spiritual discipline we need to do, but you know what? It's, 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 it's a wonderful, joyful, even peaceful uh, endeavor. 
and it's it's something we can yeah we should intentionally it should be a spiritual discipline but not, you know that there's such a connotation of that of being difficult and work and tedious there's nothing tedious about jesus folks <laughs> burden is easy his burden is light and easy yeah. you know and it's it's like uh you know feasting at uh with only dessert you know oh it's such a burden or it's like any it's hard to put words to it because you're right it's not a burden it's a blessing and you're swept up in right. it. he's the bread of life you know he's the way the truth and the life you know he's he, uh, he's the light of the world you know um, and, and, and he's the opposite of boring and tedious <laughs> all right brother well, regarding-jesus.com thank you bob thank you this has been a podcast of setting captives free for more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.